not safe here. Season 1, The Outcast, Episode 6, The Red Circle. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. Please start at Episode 1. Betty heard all the footsteps behind her. She walked into the darkness of the trees. The canopy blocked the moon. Katrina and Kat caught up with her. Delia, Tracy, and Kim weren't far behind. So what happened? Katrina hissed. The girls surrounded her in a semicircle. They walked in formation. The rest gave them space as they followed her. Something's up, Betty whispered. I saw the symbol etched in our door in Mr. Wilbertson's office. The bird thing? Tracy asked. Yeah, Betty whispered. It was framed alongside a bunch of other symbols. Like what? Delia said in her ear. It was so dark they could barely see each other. The crunch of shoes on pine needles sounded all around. There was a triangle. Well, it looked like three overlapping triangles. And a snowflake-looking thing and an axe. That's all I can remember. Did Mr. Roberson do anything to you? I'll kill him, Katrina said. No, Betty lied. She was happy the dark obscured her blushing. But they locked me in my room. They threw me in one of the empty rooms. It didn't even have bed sheets, Katrina said. I'm pretty sure this is illegal. And Mr. Silva is missing, Betty continued. The librarian? Tracy asked. You told the librarian about this? Katrina said. Yeah, she's been helping me figure things out but they must have found out about it. Her office is wiped clean this morning. We have to find her. One thing at a time, Kat said. Someone from behind spoke up. Where are we going? Betty stopped and everyone else did too. It feels like we're walking aimlessly, somebody else said from the darkness. Betty turned towards the sound of the voices. Everyone was still. A wind blew through the trees and it sounded like a muted roar. The moon shone through pine needles and it made a patchwork on the ground. It's been all of five minutes, Betty said after a pause. Are you giving up already? Nobody answered. They were a mass of darkness in the woods. She saw some of the figures shifting their weight. The truth was, Betty didn't know the plan. She hoped she would figure it out as she went. We have to find the cabin, Betty said. In our dream, we were lost at the start. Give it a minute. We'll see what happens. She turned and started to walk deeper into the woods. The darkness swallowed her. The group rushed to follow. There was someone following us in our dream, a voice said. At that moment, the wind blew and branches moaned. Did anyone see him? Delia asked the group. How do you know it's a him? Someone else said. I think it represents the school, Tracy said. Then it would have caught us, Kat responded. That's when they heard a crack. Straight ahead of them. They all froze. What was that? Kim whispered. Shh, Katrina said. It's just the woods, a voice muttered. The trees are settling. But they didn't sound convinced. They stood in a tight group, clutching each other. Another crack sounded, then a rustling. Someone gripped Betty's upper arm. She flashed back to her assault on the playing field and all the hands pulling her towards Valerie. She shivered. She looked straight ahead, into the pitch black between the trunks of two trees where the sound was coming from. She strained to see, but it was like the forest had swallowed the light. Hello? She projected. The grip on her arm tightened. The rustling stopped. 
Somehow that emboldened Betty. Come out. We know you're there, she said, taking a step forward. Everyone held their breath. The silence felt tight around them. Then a shape seemed to emerge from between the trees, a round shape like a blob slowly pulsating towards them. It took them a moment to realize it was a head, atop a body, and it was walking towards them. It was Valerie. She walked right up to Betty. You're still here, she said, her face dangerously close. Betty felt her rage start to tingle through her limbs. She took a step even closer. Back off, Valerie, she said. I know you planted those drugs in my room. Everybody does. Yeah, bitch, Kim said. There was murmuring behind Betty as everyone started to fan out, facing Valerie. Oh my God, are all of you serious? Valerie said to the group. You're following her into the woods. She's the reason this is happening. She's dangerous. No, Valerie, Betty said. You are. She made fists with her hands. They tingled next to her. It took all her will to hold them at her sides. Why are you even here anyway? Katrina challenged. It seems really suspicious. Yeah, someone else said. Maybe you're the one who was following us in the dream. Are you crazy, Valerie said. I had the dream too. Betty's the witch. But she took a step backwards. It's really weird that you would be in the woods right now, Delia said. Like, what direction were you coming from? She was coming from the cabin, someone yelled. The group started to murmur. Valerie took another step backwards. Betty is the one you should all be afraid of, Valerie cried. Betty stared at her mouth, her perfect white teeth. Her fist tingled. Were you coming from the cabin, Valerie? She asked quietly. No, she cried. She started to panic. Did you have fun in Mr. Wilbertson's office? She spat at Betty as she walked backwards. Did he make you comfortable? Betty punched her left palm with her right fist. Her chest was hot with anger. She took a deep breath. She wouldn't hit Valerie. She told herself she would never hit anyone again. Another girl, anyway. Valerie wanted her to lash out because she wanted the group to turn on her. But she had to lead them to the cabin. They had to figure out what was going on. Betty knew that if they didn't, she would be in danger. She already was. Valerie stopped, she said. We're going to find the cabin and we're going to stop this. You can come if you want or you can go back to the dorms, but you're not going to get in our way. She pushed past Valerie, who huffed but said nothing. After a beat, everyone followed. She heard their footsteps and finally exhaled. Cat caught up with her. Good job, she whispered in her ear. Betty smiled in the dark. She still didn't know where she was leading them. They had been walking for almost an hour. Betty could hear the murmurs of discontent behind her. She had hoped they would have found the cabin by now. The walk was just as it was in the dream. Pitch dark, the moon showing in patches from above. But the trees all looked the same. There was no pattern she could identify. They had all stopped talking as they trudged through the woods. Sometimes they would stop when they heard a rustling, but it was either the wind or an animal. The hoot of an owl made a couple of them smile. Valerie was behind them, Betty knew. She had held back, but Betty could hear her. She was decidedly separate, but Betty could feel her anger. I need to pee, someone said. Someone has to come with me. Just go right here. We can't see anything. They all started talking over each other. Betty walked closer to the girl who had to go. She recognized her from Mr. J's class. It was Amanda. Go over there, Betty said, turning Amanda's body towards the nearest tree. Keep talking to us as you go, and we'll talk back. 
Amanda hesitated, then walked slowly towards the tree. After a moment, she was obscured by the darkness. They heard a rustle as she moved her clothes out of the way, and then they heard her pee hit the ground. It was a long, steady stream. We're right here, Betty said. Don't get eaten by a bear, Katrina said. Or the guy stalking us in these woods, Kim said. Fuck you guys, Amanda said, as they heard the sound of her falling over. Fuck, she yelled. Katrina and Kim giggled. Stop it, Betty whispered. Hey, what's this? They all heard Amanda ask. What's what? Delia asked. Everyone stopped talking almost at once. What's all this red stuff? Betty heard Kat gasp. They both walked towards her. Where? Betty asked. Sure enough, Amanda was standing over a long row of trilolichen. The red sponge-like substance stretched over roots and rocks in a slight curve. Oh my God, Kat said. What is it? They heard voices behind them say. Is it blood, witch? Valerie walked closer and shoved Betty with her shoulder as she had a closer look. Betty ignored her. It's lichen, she whispered. What? Amanda asked. The group moved closer. Seriously, is it blood? Kim sounded on the verge of panic. No, it's trilolichen, Betty said. Kat and I found some at the edge of the woods, in Miss Ronslam's class. It comes from Scandinavia. It doesn't usually grow here. I don't get it, a voice said. We don't either, Kat said, but I think it's a clue. The red stretched in a thin line like a trail. It curved into the darkness in both directions. Betty could only see it for a short distance before it was obscured by the darkness. She followed it for about eight steps, her feet crunching beside the bright red line. The group stayed still, tittering. I think this goes in a circle, Betty said. So? Katrina said. Well, if it's a circle, then it can't be a path. Betty walked back towards the group as she thought. Maybe it's circling something, Kat said. Betty couldn't see her in the dark. She couldn't see anybody but Valerie who was standing off to the side in a patch of moonlight. The rest were shadows under a tree. Yes, Betty cried. It's telling us where to go, like a circle on a map. Huh, Katrina said. Betty knew she was thinking of the strange map they had found in Mr. J's office. She knew Katrina believed her. So this is like a giant circle and the cabin's in the middle of it? Someone asked. I don't know, but we're going to find out, Betty said. We need to follow the lichen trail as a group. And I don't think you're going to like this. She paused, feeling the group's anxiety in the darkness. But we need to mark it. What does that mean, Kim said. It means we need to stand on the trail at different intervals, so we can know it's a circle. Oh, hell no, someone said. You mean we just stand on a weird Scandinavian line, alone in the dark? Everyone started talking at once again. Betty pulled Katrina and Kat into the moonlight. Valerie was still there, smirking at Betty and the confusion. Come into the light so we can at least see each other's outlines, Betty said. The moon shone on the girl's hair a white stripe on everyone's head. Betty could see most everyone's face, but the shadows pooled in their eyes. I know it sounds strange, Betty began, but if we walk together and one person stays behind every couple of feet, we'll know the outline of the circle. We'll be surrounding the cabin. But what if you're not, Valerie asked. What if it's a trap? She crossed her arms towards Betty. We have to try, Betty said, but if you don't want to, I understand. You should head back. The group stared at her, motionless. The wind blew through the trees and sent a shiver across the back of Betty's neck. Okay then, Betty said. Everyone hold hands. She grabbed Katrina's. Her palm was warm, but her fingertips were ice. The girls muttered as they formed a line, Betty at the front. 
Who's at the back, she asked. It's Savannah, a girl said from the shadows. Betty pulled Katrina along and walked to the trail of lichen. She kept her eyes on the ground. It curved through two trees and disappeared into blackness. Betty took a deep breath. Okay, we're going to follow this trail. Hold on to the person in front and behind you. When I yell your name, you break off from the group and stay on the lichen. Don't move, no matter what. Fuck me, she heard Kim say. I know it's scary, but we're not far away. You're going to kill us all, Valerie whispered. Betty closed her eyes and took a deep breath. Are we ready? There was a murmuring of faint yeses. Okay, Betty said, and started walking. She kept her eyes glued to the ground and followed the curve. She heard the march of footsteps behind her. After about a minute of walking, when Betty was sure they had stretched single file along the line, she shouted Savannah's name. Okay, Savannah said. She sounded terrified. Sing a song, someone yelled. Something stupid. Betty heard the faint sounds of Orinoco flow drifting behind her. Interesting choice, Katrina said. Who's at the back of the line now, Betty asked. Amanda. Her voice floated from the back. After a couple of minutes of walking, Betty yelled her name. Okay, Amanda called. She started singing Enya, too. It was making the girls relax, and Betty was grateful. The lichen curved ever so slightly, so Betty called names intermittently, hoping she was timing it correctly. Her hand was starting to sweat into Katrina's. Did they really lock you in our room, she asked her. Yeah, Betty whispered. Assholes, Katrina said. How'd you get out? The window. I climbed into the spire that faces our room. Oh my God, really? You could have fallen off the roof. I'll take that over Mr. Wilbertson. After almost half an hour, it was just the two of them. Betty felt like they had almost made the full circle. Okay, Katrina said, I should stop here. Betty let go of her hand. She stopped. Aren't you going to sing Enya, Betty asked. She couldn't see Katrina's expression, but she knew she was smiling. Bitch, go away. Betty took a step on the lake and away from Katrina. She knew she was right behind her, but without the proximity, she was suddenly afraid. It felt just like the dream. She was alone in the dark in total silence, except for the moaning of forest sounds. After a moment, she stopped. She looked up towards the sky, but thick branches of needles created a ceiling of black. Betty took a deep breath. Savannah, she called. She heard a rustling, then silence. Savannah, she called again. I'm here. Savannah's voice rang out in front of her. Betty's heart leapt. Katrina, she yelled behind her. Duh, I'm behind you, she called back. Betty threw her head back and yelped towards the moon that she could not see but knew was there. It was not unlike a howl. Okay, pass it on, Betty called in each direction. We're in a big circle now. Start making noise and everybody walk forwards towards the sound. We'll meet in the middle. She heard the cascade of the message as it moved through the woods. It got softer in each direction and crescendoed again. The howl came again from Betty's gut. It exploded out of her throat like it had been curled up there, waiting to come out. She howled as she walked. She almost forgot where she was. The sound was so freeing. The hollers and shouts sounded through the trees. The circle was huge. They had spread out at least as far as a football field. She heard Katrina chanting, fuck you, and then every teacher's name. Betty laughed through her howls. The sounds of cheering and screaming and singing got louder. They were getting closer. 
A wind stole their voices for a moment, and Betty's heart dropped, losing her bearings and realizing she was alone in the dark again. But they rose when the wind died down, and she felt as though some voices were just a stone's throw away. And that's when she saw it. The cabin, just like in the dream. They had made it, and all was silent. They stood in a circle around the cabin, like an army. It loomed, wrapped in shadow. A beam of moonlight hit a window, revealing the darkness inside. It looked exactly as it did in the dream. Everyone was quiet, their hearts racing. Betty moved first to open the door. It was locked. Help me, she said to the others. They had broken the circle and gathered in the front. She slammed her shoulder into the door with Katrina and Kim's help. It didn't budge. Amanda and Tracy joined them. The five of them squeezed together, their left shoulders facing the door. The doorknob jut into Betty's belly. On the count of three, she said, One, two, three, and they banged their bodies against the silent and unmoving door. Kim cried out. Betty's shoulder bone ached. Can you pick the lock? Betty asked Katrina. Not if it's bolted, she said. Why don't we try? Katrina nodded and checked her pockets. Does anyone have a bobby pin, she asked. The group of girls stood as almost one in the space between the front door and a tree. They clung to each other after standing alone in the dark for so long. As they all checked for a bobby pin, Valerie stepped forward from the back of the group. She walked up to the front door. There's a hidden key, she said. She felt above the door frame, on top of a ledge, moving her fingers from left to right. When she got to the right-hand corner, she stopped. She took down a key and turned to the crowd. The doorway framed her blonde hair and white jacket. Everyone stared, speechless, frozen in shock. Then Katrina stormed up to her and grabbed the key from her hand. What the fuck, Valerie? You've been here before? No, Valerie cried, rubbing her hand. I've never been here. She looked down. How do you know where the key is? Betty asked. How did you even know there was a key? Valerie took a deep breath. She kept her eyes down as she spoke. I knew Mr. J had a place he worked out here. She looked up at the cluster of girls. But I've never been here, I swear. She turned to gaze at the cabin. I didn't even believe it was real. I thought he was teasing me. The crowd started to murmur. Whoa, what are you talking about, Kim said. I knew we couldn't trust you, a voice said. She came from the cabin when we met her. She was walking from its direction, another said. No, I, I wrote about the dream in our journal, and she trailed off. Betty walked up to Valerie. She almost felt sorry for her. Her anger was gone. You go to his office hours, don't you? What's it to you, witch? She snapped. Then she took a shaky breath. He recognized his cabin from the dream. I wasn't the only one who wrote about it. She turned to everyone. I've never been here. Mr. J comes here for special research. He told me where he hides his key, that's all. Why are you here? Katrina asked. The same reason you are, Valerie said. Oh, I doubt that, Katrina said, pushing her against the door. Her back made a banging sound. It reverberated through the silence of the night. It stopped everyone's chatter. Can we go in already, Kim said. Forget the slut. Fuck you, Valerie said. No, no, fuck you, Kim shot back. You can show us where you do it in the cabin. Katrina pushed past her before she could say anything and unlock the door. It creaked loudly as she pushed it open. 
It was completely dark inside. Katrina hovered in the doorway, hesitating. After a moment, Valerie pushed past her. Everyone else stayed outside. The light came on so suddenly it felt like a slap. The black hole in the doorway turned into an opening. Katrina and Betty walked in. Everyone else followed, crammed inside the small living space. It was nothing like the dream. It was bright and well-furnished, a small dining table with two chairs, with a one-ring stove and a small sink, a stylish brown loveseat with an antique wooden side table and a stern-looking lamp, a small desk with a chair sat against the wall under a window. The stairs curved upwards just like in the dream. Betty was not ready to explore that yet. Papers and books were strewn everywhere, just like Mr. J's office. The girls collapsed almost anywhere they could sit. Some even dared to sit on the bottom step. Valerie stood with her back against the wall, where the hole had been in the dream. Tell me everything you know about the cabin, Valerie, Betty said. Nothing, Valerie insisted. I just know that it was here, and that he does research here. Do you do it upstairs in one of the bedrooms? Tracy spat at her. Yeah, was the moaning sound your terrible sex noises? Kim yelled. Katrina laughed bitterly. Valerie turned red. She pinched her lips together. Hey, Betty said, surprising herself. Her reaction was visceral. She turned towards Kim and Tracy, who were in the kitchen, crowded with several others. Mr. J is the adult. He's the one you should be yelling at, not her. No one said anything. The room was thick with silence. Wait, are you defending Valerie? Katrina asked. No, Betty said, looking at Valerie. I don't forgive Valerie for what she's done to me. But Mr. J, he's the predator. One side of Valerie's mouth curled into a smile. Betty ignored it. Okay, can we search the cabin already? She said. That got everyone moving. We don't have to go upstairs, do we, Betty? Someone asked. We'll all go together, she said. They all started flipping through books, shuffling through papers, searching every drawer and cabinet, every shelf. Katrina looked under couch cushions. Why the hell would he have an office in the woods? Delia asked. It's called a lair, Katrina said. Betty walked to where Valerie was standing and started feeling the wall behind her. Valerie moved an inch out of her way. She looked down. What are you doing? Betty kept pushing gently against the wall in different spots. She didn't look at her. You went upstairs in the dream? You saw the arm? Valerie nodded. Well, the rest of us who stayed downstairs found a hole in the wall. I guess I'm just checking that it wasn't real. The wall was a distressed-looking wood. It felt sharp when Betty ran her fingers across it, like how she imagined a shark skin would feel. I don't get this, a voice said. Betty turned. It was Amanda. She was sitting at his desk, looking at a map and some drawings. Betty strode over to her. So did Katrina. Katrina snatched the paper out of Amanda's hand. This is a map of Norway, she said. Yeah, Amanda said. What does Norway have to do with anything? He's studying Scandinavian folklore, Valerie said. I think he does it out here because this was the site of a lot of Norwegian immigration? Or something. Betty and Kat exchanged a glance. Does Mr. J... Betty started, hesitating. Does Mr. J study trolls? Trolls? Katrina interrupted. What? Like the monsters? Delia asked. No, the dolls, Tracy said. Delia pushed her shoulder and it nudged several girls crowded around the desk, like dominoes. Valerie thought, not that I know of. She smiled. I mean, he is obsessed with monsters, but I don't think so. He doesn't tell me much about what he does up here. Kim rolled her eyes. Amanda still sat at the desk, looking through papers, her face scrunched in confusion. 
What else is there? Betty asked her. She took some papers, too. They had notes scrawled in different angles on the paper and some scribbled drawings, not unlike the notes in all the girls' diaries. She flipped through the pages, trying to read each one and making no progress until she got to the bottom of the pile. A drawing. Betty made a noise between a gasp and a scream. What is it? Katrina yelled, pushing three girls out of the way to see what Betty was holding. Everyone tried to gather in the small space. Betty didn't notice. She stared at the sketch in her hands. It was a man, a giant man, that was either covered in hair or in leaves. He had a large nose that seemed to drip down his face, and a long beard that obscured his mouth. His eyes were white orbs. His body was large, and he seemed bulbous and crouched. It looked like a troll. Is it a giant? Katrina asked, taking the paper and holding it in front of her face. Let me see, someone said from the back of the group, from the kitchen. Kim grabbed it from Katrina's hand. Ew, she said. What is it? Kat took it next. She stared at the paper and then at Betty. This is a troll, she said. Betty nodded at her. Just then they heard footsteps outside. Everyone screamed. Betty, eyes wide, waved her hands to tell them to keep it down. She turned off the lights. Everyone was silent. After an excruciating moment, the steps came again. A couple of girls crouched behind the couch. Kim, Delia, Tracy, and Cad headed towards the back door, but didn't open it. Everyone else was frozen. Katrina stepped in front of Betty. The steps got closer. Betty couldn't tell if they were light or heavy. She shook her head. It must be a straggler, a girl who fell behind. Betty stared at the door. It looked like a shadow in the darkness. The moonlight from the window reflected on the doorknob. Betty saw it turn, slowly. Her heart pounded in her ears. She grabbed Katrina's hand. The door creaked open and darkness poured into the room. Whoever was standing there was enveloped in it. She saw its hand reach into the room, fingers on the wall. It turned the light on. Mr. J stood in the front door, wrapped in a dark coat, a blue scarf tucked into the collar. Some girls screamed while others laughed in relief. The ones that were hiding stood. Oh, thank God, someone yelled, but Mr. J did not look happy. Betty realized she had never seen him like this before. Bandits, all of you, he shouted. He tried to sound light, but his eyes were heavy. Mr. J, you scared us to death. I scared you, he shouted, closing the door behind him and taking off his coat. He hung it on a coat rack nearby. You've broken into my cabin. Why do you have a cabin out here, Amanda asked. She was standing near Betty, near his desk. His eyes found her. He smiled and moved closer. Didn't Emerson immerse himself in the forest, he said as he took a seat on the couch. He did not take his eyes off Betty. Several girls sat on the round carpet near his feet. Others took a seat on the staircase. Betty and Katrina stayed frozen by his desk. Her friends stayed by the back door. The real question is, why are you here? Mr. J said, still looking at Betty. He leaned his head to the left to get a good look at her. You want to take that one, Betty? He asked. Everyone turned to her. It felt like the first day of school again. She stepped out from behind Katrina. We want to find Zelda and Eliza and Chantal, Betty said and maybe others. Mr. J laughed. You've watched too many movies, Betty. I'm impressed with your imagination. He stood to get a better look at his audience. He paced the room like they were in English class in the middle of the day, 
like it wasn't almost midnight in a strange cabin in the woods. You've all dreamed about my cabin, he said. He winked at Valerie, almost imperceptible, but Betty noticed. Valerie blushed and smiled. Because you are all perceptive. You must have sensed my longing for solitude, my need for study. He walked towards Kat, Delia, Kim, and Tracy huddled by the back door. They stiffened. He reached over them to feel the wall above. Is this where the hole was? He laughed and turned back towards the living area. I knew my students were extraordinary, but I didn't know you were this extraordinary. Betty noticed the girls in the room were relaxing, starting to smile at him. He walked behind the couch, placing his hands on one of the girls' shoulders. Savannah, he said, what did you think you would find here? Uh, I don't know, she stammered. I mean, everyone else was going. We wanted to figure out what was going on. And for that, I can't blame you, Mr. J said, standing up straight and walking towards the front door. Let me ask you, he said, facing his audience. Why do you think you all dreamed of being chased in the woods? Who was chasing you? It was like they were in class again. The girls who were sitting leaned forward. He had sucked in everyone's attention. Betty and Katrina exchanged a look of disbelief. There was silence as everyone thought about his question. Then Valerie spoke up. It was our guilt. Our guilt for trespassing, she said. Mr. J pointed at her like his arm was a cobra, striking. Good thought process, Valerie. Anyone else? Betty grabbed the drawing off his desk and held it up. Her hand shook. Is it this troll? Mr. J looked taken aback for a moment, and then he laughed. Trolls are good dream fodder, he said to Betty. Then he turned to the room. It was you, your conscious selves chasing your unconscious selves as you move through the dark. He paused dramatically. Your adolescence. What? Katrina shouted. What are you talking about? We were walking to your cabin with body parts? I must have mentioned this cabin. Valerie certainly knew about it. He flashed another almost imperceptible smile at her. It's a more mysterious representation of the school. Your place of rehabilitation. And rehabilitation can be hard, hence the moaning, the dismemberment, the blood, he laughed. You are all certainly dramatic. Betty looked at the girls she had traveled through the woods with, who howled at the moon with her. They were all staring at Mr. J the way they had in his class every day. Somehow he had won them over with a short speech. She looked over at Kim, Delia, Tracy, and Kat, who still stood against the back wall where the hole had been. At least they weren't convinced. They looked furious. He noticed. Not all of you are convinced. Betty saw a flash of menace for just a moment, and then it was gone. It's because they're witches, Valerie said. Betty let us all hear. I was trying to stop her. Betty could feel her face, neck, and chest burn red. Wow, Valerie, you really are the devil, Katrina said. Betty's heart pounded against her ribs. She looked at the drawing of the troll. She still clutched it. Some of the lines around her thumb had smudged with her sweat. She looked towards the stairs. She was about four paces from them, but with the couch and about 15 girls in between. Six girls sat on the bottom two steps. She put the drawing back on Mr. J's desk gently. Then, without looking at Mr. J, she burst into a run. She pushed past Katrina, kicked through the knees lining the couch. She was about one step from the stairs when she heard Mr. J shout. Move, she yelled to the girls on the stairs, who complied. They jumped out of her way or leaned their bodies against the railing. Betty felt Mr. J grab her sleeve as she took a leap up the first three steps in one go. She snatched her arm out of his grip. Betty, Mr. J growled. 
She could hear him running behind her. She heard someone fall as he pushed her out of the way. She heard Katrina yell, Stop him! Betty took the curve up the stairs, running into the darkness. She felt the wall with her hands for a light, and then fell as she reached the top without knowing it, her foot stepping into air. She tumbled to the ground and banged her knee on the wooden floor. She rolled to the side as Mr. J pounded to the top, panting. Have you lost your mind, Betty? He yelled into the darkness from right above her. He was looking down, but Betty knew his eyes had not yet adjusted, and he couldn't quite see her. She saw a door to her left, open just ajar, a weak light cutting a diagonal line through the hallway shadows. She scurried across the floor and burst through the door, slamming it behind her. She heard Mr. J ram his body against the door, then pounded it with his fist. God damn it, Betty, open up! He banged three more times. Betty jumped each time. The door frame rattled. You'll get expelled for this. Betty heard the sound of the girls streaming upstairs. Then she heard Mr. J's muffled voice telling them to go. But she stopped listening because that's when she saw it. When she saw all of it. The moon shone brightly through the window, lighting portrait-sized pictures lining the wall. Framed pictures, each of a young girl, a school portrait, stretched across two walls, an L-shape. A sketch of a raven hovered above each one. Betty felt like her heart stopped beating. She studied each portrait from the window to the door, and only towards the end did she recognize the names listed underneath. Chantal Green, Eliza Sands, Zelda Murphy, and the last one, the only one with a red circle which seemed painted on the wall around it. Betty Sumner. It was her. An old school photo from the year before smiled back at her. Betty stumbled backwards. She felt like she would throw up. As she reached for the wall to steady herself, the door burst from its hinges with a sickening crack and the door slammed against the opposite wall. Betty jumped out of the way, but not in time to avoid Mr. J. He tackled her to the floor, turned her face down, holding her arms behind her back. Her cheek pressed into cold wood. She heard Mr. J panting, the girls hovering by the broken doorway. Get off of her, she heard Katrina yell from the back of the crowd. She heard a tussle. Betty closed her eyes. Just then, a boom reverberated outside, like a plane crash. It was so loud it felt like the earth was opening. Everyone screamed. Quiet, Mr. J yelled. Then from outside, a screech pierced the air. Betty couldn't quite tell if it was an animal or metal ripping apart. Now you've done it, Mr. J said to Betty. Thank you for listening to season one of We Are Not Safe Here, The Outcast. Come back next week for episode seven. You can also email me at wearenotsafeherepod at gmail. And you can follow me on social media. We Are Not Safe Here on Instagram and Facebook. And We Are Not Safe Pod on Twitter. If you like the podcast, thank you so much. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps. And spread the word. That helps even more. We Are Not Safe Here.